Hi everyone, this is the Complex PTSD Guy. I hope you all are doing good. Thanks for listening. I wanted to share some positive news. As you might know from my last recording, I was inspired to see a personal a personal trainer. I'll talk about that soon. You may remember how I mentioned the unusual circumstance of being inspired by a TV show that I don't normally watch. There was a guy named Ben on the show The Bachelorette. He came forward a couple episodes ago and talked about how he stayed so focused on his nutrition and health because he used to be bulimic for years when he was in his 20s, for about 10 years. Well, in a little bit, I will mention how I was strangely inspired by this same guy once again in a very specific way. First of all, I want to mention that I did start seeing a personal trainer. His name is Jordan, and he's really amazing. He's the perfect fit for me personally. He's laid back and he's easy to talk to, and he definitely takes his health seriously. I started seeing him a little over a week ago. I see him every three days for half an hour. He has already helped strengthen my back to the point I rarely have back pain anymore, which is mind-blowing to me. He showed me how to position my feet so I can strengthen my back when I do deadlifts and squats. He has me do all types of things. I can already see progress in my arms and muscularly in my back as well. Another positive note is that this evening, in about an hour, I have a friend coming over and tonight is our first night of beginning our own AA group. He's someone who has struggled with alcohol like I have. So I am doing positive things to help myself, finally. My friend actually used to attend the same AA group that I used to go to here in Springfield, Illinois. We both kind of got tired of that particular group, so we're starting our own. So for a minute, I want to mention another way that Ben on The Bachelorette inspired me. This may sound corny. I was watching the show last Tuesday, and he opened up about two failed suicide attempts that he had in 2018. I think I've discussed my two failed suicide attempts on this program before. If I haven't, one was in June of 2018 and another was in the fall of 2017. Ben also went on to talk about his sister. This was what really got my attention. He was Ben was really in a bit of a trance as he spoke about her, which just I was glued to the TV set when I was watching this. He kept saying that she saved him. that his sister saved him. The reason I mention this, and I'm telling a little bit of a secret here, but I don't really care anymore, is that my sister saved me. She doesn't know she saved me, but she did. Remember the past podcast I did where I mentioned my play? This was several podcasts ago. Well, my play was real life. I'm about to copyright it. It's been a lot of editing to finish it, but... I am glad that it took so long to finish it because I finally came up with the perfect name for the play. I renamed it The Sister. So the play is going to be called The Sister. I had decided this about a month ago. This was why what Ben did inspired me so much, his focus on his sister. It made me want to really get that play done before the end of the year so the world can see it, and so I can send the script to Netflix to turn it into a movie.
Remember when I talked about delusional thinking and alcohol? Yeah, that's related to my trauma, of course. I talked about Laura Palmer from the show Twin Peaks. Not to say too much, but Laura is the only character I've ever seen who is very similar to my sister in very specific ways. Bad things happen to Laura, just like what happened to my sister. That's what I wrote my play about. It was what happened to her. Both times I had nervous breakdowns. In the fall of 2019 and just a few weeks ago on Thanksgiving, I was rambling on and on about my sister to the medical staff. So that's why what Ben said is just blowing me away every time I see him on the show. I feel like I'm watching myself. It's very strange. But strange in a good way. He's been inspiring me. Well, my friend will be here soon to start our meeting. And that's all I have for tonight. I just wanted to share some good news. Take care and happy holidays. This is the Complex PTSD Guy signing off. Hi everyone, the Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll try to talk a little bit faster this time because this episode's a little long. I was looking back at past episodes and I noticed that by far my most popular episode was related to PTSD and feelings of incompetence. As I may have mentioned, incompetence is my biggest trigger, feelings of incompetence. If someone speaks to me as if I don't know what I am doing or they are condescending or dismissive, that is my biggest trigger. As I might have mentioned before, this is due to denial related to the abuse I grew up with. I was raised to believe I didn't know what I was talking about if I called a spade a spade. I'm going to mention ways that my personal trigger has been triggered in recent months, and maybe you can relate. I'm going to extend this topic today to talk about living in survival mode. I was recently giving a massage to a school counselor, and we talked about my complex PTSD from my childhood abuse. She mentioned how people with this live in survival mode. I had forgotten that term, survival mode, but it made me want to talk about it in more depth for my podcast today. I'm going to start out by giving the definition of survival mode. Survival mode is the short-term fear-based mode of thinking you enter when your fight-or-flight response is triggered. It's the poisonous mentality that leads you to attack or retreat during stressful times rather than communicate and embrace. I usually retreat. As a reminder, I have given past episodes on the benefits of meditation and how it increases the gray matter in your brain, so you better handle the effects of survival mode. Meditation helps increase your cognitive processes, and that's everything. So along with today's topic, I am going to throw in some positive points related to my weight training. I'll get to this later. I have almost hit my one-month mark with my trainer, and I can't say enough how much I enjoy it. My trainer is great. Just today, with all the workouts we did, my trainer pointed out that I lifted over 4,000 pounds just in today's workout. That's with everything we did. But now, back to the topic of living in survival mode. I wanted to talk about ways I believe I put myself in survival mode. I tend to have an addictive personality, and I think I might possibly, possibly be addicted to surviving survival mode. I'll explain. I think my drinking and other self-destructive habits, 
including sabotaging my friendships and ruining my own reputation from time to time, come from being addicted to living in survival mode. This all stems from the abuse. I can't blame everything I do as an adult on my abuse as a child because I choose to engage with these actions and I would never grow as a person if I just blame it all on my abusers. But I can say I believe it's all related and if you, I can learn to forgive and move forward. So examples of when I put myself in survival mode would be not preparing for financial loss or having proper job security, going years without health insurance, depending too much on the people who abused me and letting them take advantage of me even though I knew they were doing it, drinking too much, that's a big one. These things are all a setup for having to struggle at some point down the road. I am in a much better position now financially and job security wise. My drinking was one of the big ones. If you drink and drive and get to an accident, you can lose your car, lose your job, everything. If you drink and act out, you can ruin your reputation, you lose friends, you lose your self-worth. This is all related to living in survival mode. You become a self-saboteur and you try to climb back out of the struggle. You're always the comeback kid. It's not healthy, but I will say it builds, builds resilience and allows you to have empathy for others who are going through the same thing. I wanted to give examples of how my own trigger, the feeling of incompetence, has been messed with recently. So due to COVID-19, my massage job was cut last spring for about two and a half months. I had tried to apply for unemployment, but I needed someone to ask questions to before I actually fully applied. I emailed the Illinois Department of Unemployment office numerous times to seek help. No one ever emailed me back. No one contacted me. Months later, in the fall time, someone informed me that I could seek retroactive payment from the springtime. I finally got a human being from the unemployment office to talk to me. I specifically told her that in the spring I never fully applied because I didn't want to do it incorrectly and no one ever got back to me. She made it seem as if this was fine to apply now to get retroactive from the springtime even though I never applied. So we filed. A few weeks later I was speaking with a man about getting certified for the benefits I applied for and he said to me, do you expect anyone to believe your story that you tried to apply in the spring and never did? And I was like, yeah, it's true. And then he said, this is all your fault, buddy. You should have applied in the spring. You can't apply now. I told him I had told the woman all of this who recently signed me up to apply for benefits, and she didn't think it was a problem. He was very dismissive and condescending, to say the least. So that was one trigger. He was triggering my feeling of incompetence as if I didn't know what I was doing. By the way, the unemployment is still in limbo. Go figure. Another example of someone messing with my trigger happened about a month ago. This used to happen a lot in my past relationship 20 years ago. I'd messaged someone, I guess you could say I was seeing this person for a short time. We were supposed to hang out on a Wednesday and the person made it seem like everything was just great and they'd be there at my place on Wednesday. When Wednesday came along, they never showed up. I messaged them and they never got back to me. Messaged a few more times, a few days later, maybe a week later, never got back to me. I've had frequent relationships like this in the past, where I'm likely being gaslighted, but I never pick up on it because, as I think, I'm drawn to narcissists or emotionally abusive types. This has been a big reason why I just avoid a lot of people. I tend to attract folks who either trigger me 
or they become obsessed with me and they become overly attached, like extremely attached. So now I play it safe and work with trainers or in groups of people. I go to classes because one-on-one friendships, they just don't work so well. As someone once told me, Ben, you are oblivious to danger and harmful situations. And I say, yes, I am. So for today's topic, that is most of what I wanted to point out. When you live in survival mode, you are basically trying to just get through life and survive rather than living and enjoying life. Abusing alcohol, friendship, self-sabotaging in various ways, it is not fun. But if you can find the positive in the pain, like building resilience and gaining empathy and learning forgiveness, you can make it work in your benefit. Watch out for triggers with people who might abuse you or use you. Like, one thing I know for certain is if the way someone is communicating with you isn't making any sense to you, that's a huge red flag. Run for the hills. Like the person who stood me up, make sure to keep that type of person at bay. Whenever I was, I guess you could say, seeing that person, a lot of the times the way they communicated with me, it didn't make any sense, and I should have just walked out. Also, if someone, like the guy from the unemployment office, is saying things that don't add up, and he's openly dismissing you, remember, it's not your issue. It's him being out of place for some very odd reason. It's not you, it's them. Same goes for my abusers. If they're being dismissive, rolling their eyes... But in the end, you have had folks point out that they are the ones with the problem. Remind yourself of that. A cousin of mine told me once that my abuser is a sick individual. And they didn't mean that they're gross. They meant that they're not mentally healthy. My cousin isn't the first person to say this about my abusers. I try to have empathy without letting what my abusers say affect me personally. By the way, for the end of this podcast, I just want to say how great my weight training is going with my personal trainer. We meet three days a week. He's the perfect person for me to train with. We actually realized we graduated from the same high school and not too far apart. So I found interesting. He has me use this app called Nutrition IX. It logs my calories, how many grams of protein, carbs, and fat I eat in a day. I have to keep these grams at certain levels. I now tend to eat the same thing each day, which is what he wants. A bowl of great nut cereal for breakfast along with a meal supplement called Case In from Legion Athletics. After my morning workout, a cup of chocolate milk and whey protein. And then for lunch, cottage cheese mixed with these type of pepper, pepper greens and olives. For dinner, a cantaloupe and a healthy choice meal that does not include rice and another scoop of whey protein. So a lot of proteins, about 178 grams, and I have to keep my fat grams below 39. He also has me on the app called Strength, which measures my workouts. I have already noticed a difference in my body. My glutes in particular are able to fire when I work on them now. I can feel them activate, which I never could before. I really enjoy it. I've also noticed my core region sizing up. So anyway, this is a podcast. It's been a little bit long, so take care. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off, and Happy New Year.